0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, back with another episode here in The Truth. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our Power 5 college football conference preview by taking a look, a deeper dive into the Pac-12 conference, soon to be what, Pac-4 conference? Bye-bye Pac-12. I don't know what's going on with the Pac-12. I do know what the conference realignment, everything like that. There are a lot of schools that are leaving the Pac-12 for the SEC or the Big Ten or whatever conferences that they're moving to. And I don't really know what teams are left, nor do I really care right now, because this season is still intact. It's the future seasons out of the question mark. But at the end of the day, I think it's safe to say that the Pac-12 is pretty much gone. I mean, if you lose a couple of players or teams in your conference, it's not the end of the world. But when you start losing the amount of teams that they do have in their conference that are no longer going to be there, that's kind of when it's kind of hard to replace all those schools. And on top of that, even if you were to replace seven, eight schools, building back up a reputation for having success is going to be something that takes a long time so it doesn't seem to be moving in the right direction for the pac-12 conference and we're probably seeing the end of the pac-12 conference which is kind of interesting because when you see conferences fold it's usually the lower end conferences not a power five conference but in today's day and age with nil and money and all that jazz it seems to be unfortunately the case now i think the best the biggest question moving forward is what Power 5 Conference would be next. If I had to guess, I'd say it's the ACC. I think the Big 12 has a longer chance of staying alive just because the Big 12 recently just got four more teams, Cincinnati, BYU, UFC, um, or UFC, not UFC, UCF and BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. There we go. Uh, They recently got those four new teams. The ACC hasn't really gotten much replacements. And the future of the Pac-12 teams, teams like Cal are looking for a new home. Uh, cal really wants to join the big 10 i'm not sure why but the big 10 has turned what to the big 18 big 20 so there's just a lot of i guess moving forward with it and i had mentioned in my notes earlier what's the future of the pac 12 look like is there a replacement of a power 5 school like is there a new power 5 school that's going to filter in the mix and have success from the get-go i'm not really sure it all kind of think depends on what the transitions like moving forward and what kind of adjustments that the pac-12 makes or if there's a new like an aac or something that emerges as a new power five school but the pac-12 seems to be dismantled for the moment but there's still a season to talk about this year and the pac-12 is still intact maybe the last pac-12 championship ever but we'll see starting things off with my number one team usc and i just put caleb williams all you need to know that seems to be the number one draft pick unless he has a really bad season we kind of saw that with spencer rattler before a period of time was projected number one by Caleb Williams, superstar, built in offensive of firepower. The defense was pretty bad last season. There's a point of emphasis this season to kind of improve that. They got a haul of defensive transfers that are going to fill in for UC, USC. Now I'm getting UCF and USC mixed up. lot of defensive transfers including defensive lineman bear alexander from georgia who was a tremendous addition anthony lucas texas a&m linebacker mason Cobb, oklahoma state cornerback christian roland wallace arizona so they got a lot of defensive transfer buys and honestly with the defense that was struggling how it was last season it's really something that you can't necessarily get worse now obviously you can get worse but to usc's caliber can you really get worse i don't think so so usc's in a good position there they continue to keep Alex Grinch as their coordinator. They have a lot of firepower on Riley's offense. And I think this is a team that can really contend to win the college football playoff as a whole just because they have the best player in all of college football. We've seen that with guys like Trevor Lawrence, for example, Joe Burrow. So maybe Caleb Williams is the next guy up to the plate with that. But USC seems to be in a good position and definitely the front runner to win the Pac 12 conference this season. Similar wise, Oregon, Bo Nix, all you need to know. I think Bo Nix is a potential first rounder. He's got a lot of great tools. It feels like he's been in the college football era since like 2013. If he is going to get drafted, he'll be the next Stetson Bennett as far as starting his pro career at 26 years of age or however old he is. The big thing is though for Oregon is Bow next and continuing the successes from last season. And they also need to fill in the holes that they need. They have 15 incoming transfers, a good amount of transfers there. But as far as their transfer portal class, they're actually top 10. So the transfers that they did get were really high end transfers. I guess you could say, and really kind of a good class there as a whole. Something to keep in notice of, though, is how those transfers are going to play in well. They have seven starters back on defense, but again, they're going to miss Noah Sewell, linebacker, and also quarterback Christian Gonzalez, who I thought was the best cornerback in all of the draft last season. So defense will be great with those seven starters returning, but losing those two guys definitely hurts. But they have a good core on the defensive side there, and that's something that's going to provide a lot of depth and a lot of stability down the line. On top of that, they have a good surrounding core for Bo Nix and running back Bucky Irving and wide receiver Tony Franklin. So on both sides of the ball, Oregon's in a great position forward. I really feel like in the Pac-12, there's like the top four teams, I think are USC, Oregon, Utah, and Washington in that order. But I think those four teams really can be interchangeable. I think maybe USC is the for-sure lock, but who's going to be in that Pac-12 championship game as well. It's going to be Oregon, Utah, or Washington. They all four got great quarterbacks, great potential NFL quarterbacks, maybe even first round or lottery quarterbacks. So kind of interesting to see the mix, but Oregon fits well on both the offensive side and defensive side, which I might give the edge to as far as them in the conference winning it, but I think USC just having Caleb Williams and how high-powered offense their offense really is, it's kind of hard to beat that. Number three, I'm going to go with Utah. They lost a lot of key pieces, including Dalton Kincaid, who's Obviously, emerged very well for the Bills so far, even though he's never played in NFL down. But they do have Brandt Cuthie, who's going to be a contributing factor at the tight end position. He could be the next somewhat Dalton Kincaid and provide tremendous impact that he did. At, or Kincaid did at Utah. Quarterback Cameron Rising also returns. He recovered from or was recovering from an ACL injury. I believe it was in the bowl game that he injured that. He should be good to go again. They play Florida to start the season, so good test early on. And they got a good running back in Jaquindon Jackson. He'll bring together Rising's performance, especially kind of coming off of injury, kind of relieving some of the stress there, and kind of seeing that the weapons they have there—not necessarily the biggest name weapons—but I really do like, uh, I really do like Cameron Rising. I've liked him his entire college career. I mean, obviously sporting a tremendous mustache is is huge there, but get some areas there where it's going to be huge, and I think overall it provides a good passing attack. I do believe that, you know, having the offense to kind of just do enough for a really solid defensive program is kind of what Utah is going to need to do again this year. They're going to run the ball very efficiently and throw their tight ends as they did last season. The defense is the key to success in Utah this season. They have eight of them returning for the upcoming campaign, eight starters, which is huge. And don't forget, guys, this was actually when I was researching this podcast or the Pac-12 as a whole. I forgot they're back-to-back Pac-12 champions. So the experience will bring them. I mean, like I said, Cameron Rising's been there for both. So they have experience to bring them back to the promised land can the question be can they make it i think they're going to be one game or you know obviously one spot shot of doing that but this is a team that can make it maybe three straight and it's kind of surprising to kind of see where they're at there and then Washington, uh, I put them at number four. Michael Penix Jr. is back at the home. Again, potential lottery pick. Huge jump last uh, from 21 when they had four wins to 11 wins last season. If I'm not mistaken, that was Michael Penix Jr.'s first season. Uh, his other one was in Indiana. So I think that was obviously a huge jump. And who needs to have defense when you score at 39.7 points per game? That's what they were scoring last season. Tremendous outburst there on the points per game margin for Washington. They got a lot of guys returning, especially at the running back position in Jalen McMillan and Rome Odozie. Having good running backs there is going to be huge for Michael Penix Jr., the lefty superpower. Obviously a good runner himself, great deep ball threat, but having those two running backs are huge. I always say, and I mean in NFL I think it's different, I think you need to have a solid running back. I don't really like two running back systems. I get like you can interchange at times, but you can do that with regular guys too. College is completely different though. I feel like having two, even three great running backs is just so vital because what's different from college to the NFL is obviously the skill gap and the, and the talent breach, but More than that, just those guys aren't going to be NFL running backs. They're going to be college running backs. So utilize them wisely and utilize them in both the passing and rushing attack. So having that is going to be huge there. They also got some improvement on the defensive side, getting Jabbar Muhammad, a transfer quarterback from Oklahoma, who helps a terrible passing defense from last season. They got burned over deep pretty bad last year, and that was one of the reasons why they didn't have that. Uh, were win a Pac-12 championship, I should say. They had to get success with 11 wins. But being able to get some stability there is going to be huge. They also got a solid front in Braylon Trice, Zion Tupola-Fetur, and Edufan Ulufosho. Definitely did not pronounce any of those names correctly, so I apologize to those three guys that are listening because you're definitely listening to the truth on, what, a Friday evening, whatever day it is. But this is all the makings to be a Pac-12 champion this season. Can they do it? I don't know. If I'm going be honest, I don't know. But they have all the makings to do it, and that's the biggest thing. As long as you have the option to do it, maybe they'll have the potential to do it. But Washington is one of those teams, again, that can fit in the mix very nicely. Penix Jr. and the running backs that they have itself can really be the difference maker. But I do believe they are vastly improved. And again, they're an 11-win team last season, so they're obviously doing something right. This next one is going to come as a surprise to a lot of people, but it's the Colorado Buffaloes at the number five spot. I don't think a lot of people are very high in Colorado, I think a lot of people maybe have them finishing anywhere from 9th to 12th, probably 10th or 11th mostly, but this is the Deion Sanders era. This is what we've all been waiting for. They have a lot of transfers, program has forever changed. I believe I think I read somewhere they had what, 30 transfers if I'm not mistaken, let me double check that, or something absurd like that, they have a lot of transfers nonetheless. Honestly, the transfers are needed for a team like the Colorado Buffaloes because at the end of the day, Colorado is was not very good last season. I think they only won one game, but they brought um, you know Shadir Sanders. He uh, obviously is a very projectable quarterback, being the son of Deion Sanders. There's a lot of positives there, but they also got the best dual threat player, and wide receiver cornerback Travis Hunter. I remember when he committed to Jackson State. So having those two in of itself is huge and you already knew you know obviously they had cost or paid dion a lot of money to come i don't know if they've paid him all the money yet but they will eventually pay him that's i mean they have to it's part of his contract but i remember that was funny when they had hired him they're like we don't have the money to pay dion yet but we will pay him when we get the money it's like how do you not have the money first of all you're a college organization and second Shouldn't you be able to pay a guy if you sign him to a contract? Anyways, that's a topic for a different discussion. But as far as that's concerned, that's going to be something that's going to be huge for them. Getting Dion Sanders as the head coach, just, I mean, think about it. If you're a recruit, I mean, I'm a college baseball player, okay? That's like saying if you have the option to go, and I'm a college pitcher, so if I have the option to go play for Greg Maddox or Randy Johnson, am I going to pick that over – a coach that i have now or whatever yeah absolutely i mean he'd be an idiot not to one of the best to ever do it and so that's something that is huge for the recruiting standpoint how long is at you know colorado's for the making but at the end of the day he has success at jackson state and maybe he's going to have success at colorado i think that's going to be the case and again something that i talked about earlier about transfers and the impact that they make I think with a guy like Deion Sanders, it's going to be the difference for why these transfers have success and why they don't. Obviously, a culture change. It seemed like at Colorado, they didn't give a shit till they got rid of their coach. And Dion kind of went in there and, and kind of changed everything as far as culture is concerned. And that's huge, especially at the college level. They got... Um, uh, Houston transfer Elton McClaskey the fourth as well so they got a lot of things going for them their defense gave up 44.5 points a game last season but again what position did primetime play he played defense so he's going to be able to help that right in the mix I believe this is a team that is going to be a dark horse I don't think they're going to win the Pac-12 but I have them finish inside the top five so clearly I have them doing something right um, I think, Again, good season for the Buffaloes. I don't think anybody expecting them to do great, so why not jump on the train? What's the worst case scenario? I get them wrong and they finish 11th like they're supposed to be? you got to take risk in this industry. i got them finishing 5th in the Pac-12 this season. Sixth, Washington State. Cameron Ward will be better with a new and improved offensive line. Last season, the offensive line gave up 46 sacks. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Cam Ward is one of those guys that needs to have a good line to have success. And I feel like every quarterback can have that, but Cam Ward particularly is a guy that needs that. They were a young team last season. I think their experience will be the providing factor this season, which is going to be huge for Washington State and the success that they may would have down the line. Transfer running back Nakai Wilson, comp- Wilson complements the offense well, being both a rushing and receiving back. Now with a better improved line, it gives Cam Ward more an ability to, you know, serve in the field, whatever. But now he's got a reliable safety option in case he needs to check in down on Kai Watson as well. So it kind of works hand in hand with another. And the defensive side, Washington Tate's solid too. They got good egg combos on the defensive side. And they were third in points allowed last season. So we'll continue to be solid there. And this is an average team this season with tons of opportunity for growth. I don't think they're necessarily vastly improved. I think they're improved. Yeah, absolutely. But this is also a team that doesn't have a quote-unquote star to be the difference maker for them. So that's kind of why I have them finishing middle of the pack. I think they'll have a successful campaign. Obviously become bowl eligible, but not you know, in the quest for winning the Pac-12 championship. UCLA, I have them finishing seven. Two reasons. They lost two tremendous players. Dorian Thompson having a great start to his pro career there for the Cleveland Browns. And running back Zach Charbonnet, who's going to have a tremendous year for the Seahawks. They lost both those guys right there. The line also lost three starters, so shuffles in the offensive side is going to make an impact from the get-go. They're also getting a new defensive coordinator. Provides more question marks to the defensive side, too. Eight starters do return, though, which can provide access down the line. They struggle mightily against the pass at 116th. We'll need to find ways to improve that. And find some strength, find some weaknesses, which is why I have them in the middle of the pack. At the end of the day, they're UCLA. I mean, you can go from... You know a transfer team from wherever and you can go to a team like a ucla or usc or definitely an oregon especially in football so they're obviously going to get a good guys and they're a good team or a good program so even though they have all these offensive shuffles defensive changes again new dc etc it's going to be something that's a work in progress and one of the reasons why i have them finishing in the middle end of the pack or middle of the pack but i'm obviously not the top six the bottom six but i do believe this is a team that's got a lot of talent and you know, it's a team that's going to have success, but the biggest thing with UCLA is even though they lost two big weapons, they lost three starters, getting a new defensive coordinator, can they all mesh? They'll probably start off the season rough, but I think as the games go on down the line, they'll be able to win some games and maybe become eligible, which would be good for UCLA, especially with what they lost last season. Arizona State got a new head coach in Denny, uh, Kenny Dillenham Quarterback battle right now between between Drew Pine and freshman Jaden Rashada. I believe there isn't an decided starter at the moment. I'm also recording these on August thirteenth, so if it's out there before that, I apologize. Like I said, I got a busy week with getting ready for school that I wanted to get these guys these out to you guys as well. So. That's why I don't know the quarterback battle, but I don't know much about any of those quarterbacks. Obviously, Jaden Rashada, not many people know too much about. ASU fans probably know about more about Drew Pine. They have transfers in the defensive side. They can help out a disastrous defense. Last season, allowing 34.4 points per contest. And in total, they had around 30 transfers, which is just crazy. It's like a completely revamped team. I know NFL, they keep 52 players. College, I believe they keep more, but having 30 transfers, is like a completely new team. Have a mix of ball catches in wide receiver Elijah Badger and tight end Jalen Conyers. If the defense is improved, then there will be chances at success. But if their defense is not improved, then I think this team's definitely going to falter down a wrong path. A lot of mix. I think they can mesh well eventually. You know, I always talk about transfers and the impact that transfers make typically negatively. But at the same time, when you have so many transfers, like 30 compared to just 8 or at certain positions... It's a revamped team at the end of the day. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have a million different transfers. Having a couple actually is probably worse than having 30 because it's just a completely new culture, new team, new dynamic. Kenny Dillingham, new coach. It's a completely new thing for Arizona State and that's something that they desperately needed I think they were what three and nine last season they weren't very good I know that um, so they're going to kind of come in with a new philosophy and try to find ways to have success with it but it just hasn't been the case so far and that's something that they're going to really need to continue to figure out and then move down the line if this is the way that Arizona State's football is going to be played for years to come. Oregon State, I have them as a hangover effect this season. They had a successful 10-3 and season last year. One of the big reasons why a lot of people are high on Oregon State this year is DJ Ugalagale transfer from Clemson, but I've never been too high on him, even last season. I didn't think he had that great of a season. To be honest, I think the ACC is worse than the Pac-12 Especially um, as the grand scheme of things. I mean, you see typically with the ACC, there's what, three, four teams that are really solid in the ACC. Pac 12, maybe five or six that are really solid. But I don't know. I just, I don't think it, obviously, it didn't work out. At Clemson, he was very highly uh, touted, recruited, etc. Maybe he's one of those guys that needs a change of scenery and maybe being at Oregon State is going to be beneficial for him. I just have never been too high on him, and especially since a lot of people are really surrounding the hype on Oregon State on that. I think it's a little premature. Damian Martinez, I do think is going to have a breakout season at the running back position. DJ Ugalagale really like to run the football And kind of establish that So having Damian Martinez breakout is going to be huge and Plus side for Oregon State though The offensive line should be pretty solid The defense does concern me a little bit They lost a couple of people including linebacker Omar Spades and the secondary losing three members. It was a disappointing season, to say the least, that's my prediction. I think it's going to be one of those seasons that's a bit disappointing. There's a lot of areas of improvement down the line, but I don't believe that DJ Ugalagale is the answer for Oregon State. Does that mean he's a bad player? No, but I don't know. I think this is, again, I feel like there's always a hangover, at least one hangover team every year in every conference and then there's one team that's a sleeper or a team that jumps from like 10th to 3rd. So my prediction is going to be Oregon State in this conference. I do believe too that there's just a lot of better teams that are compared to Oregon State. Besides DJ Ogulagley and Damian Martinez, there's not too much that really kind of strikes me as star potential. Stanford at the number 10 spot. I remember when they were like Pac-12 powerhouse always in the rose Bowl, especially with guys like C Mac thumping Iowa, all that good stuff. They have a first-year head coach in Troy Taylor. They're only returning six starters. Defense allowed 36.3 points a game. Terrible against the run. Not much better on the defensive side, but they can definitely improve and the running game will be a determining factor of success with EJ Smith. I think EJ Smith is poised to have a breakout campaign. I think there's a lot of people that are excited for him, but I really am. They struggled terribly against the run, giving up 224.4 yards a game, which is absolutely absurd. Can't even imagine a running back getting 175 yards, but 200 24.4 24.4 yards a game is ridiculous they are going to find ways to improve there they got a tight end um, or a good tight end to build around, benjamin eurosec but like i said ej smith's going to be huge for stanford as a whole i don't even know who their quarterback is i wasn't able to really find that um i just don't know to an extent but their performance on the defensive side and offensive line isn't going to be great. I do believe it's going to be better than the teams I have above them, obviously, but it is something to monitor. Stanford is not in a good position. I do believe eventually they'll be able to kind of return to stardom, but this season is not going to be fun. EJ Smith, though, is going to be probably the only bright spot for that uh, Stanford Cardinal team. Cal, bad 4-8 season last year. We'll need to find new ways to improve that. No value on the offensive side last season. They do have a QB transfer, Sam Jackson, TCU. Not sure his immediate impact. I do believe, though, he needs a better surrounding cast. He was able to learn from a guy like Max Duggan last season, which was huge for him as far as where he's at right now. But he definitely has a lot of improvement to, you know, kind of make it and kind of being where he's at right now. Not much experience. It's going to be a little bit interesting, to say the least. The defense will be better. Jackson Sermon at the linebacker position. The O-line might be one of the worst of the Pac twelve, which is my biggest concern, especially with an inexperienced quarterback like Sam Jackson. Not having a good quarter uh, not having a good offensive line to provide you that stability is something that really kind of hurts them longevity wise. And it kind of is one of those things that is something that needs to happen in order for him to have success and and it's just not been the case and not just him but just the running and everything again revolves around the offensive line that's one of the reasons why I'm not high in them their defense also is my concern besides Jackson Sermon at the linebacker position and you know again some of these prolific Pac-12 offenses are just going to torment a team like Cal and and really use them to their advantage so it seems to be like a lose-lose situation there for Cal and then finally, I got Arizona here, a program that's been slowly improving, but still of the guard. Remember, this is a team that would go, what, 0 for 12, 1 for 11, 2 for 10. Nothing really good. I think they were 5 and 7 last season. Tight defensive situations killed them last year. I expect a similar situation this year. Got a couple offensive weapons to throw to, such as pass catching options like Jacob Cohen and Thierry McLuhan for Jaden DeLore to throw to. Other than that, their offense does scare me, including their offensive line. Defense last season gave up 37 points per game. I don't see that being improved, and that is something that does concern me. I do believe, too, that they kind of got away with some easy non-conference games, which is important, especially if you're trying to rebuild the team. But again, in the conference that they're in, I just I don't see really much success for The arizona wildcats and i think they're far from kind of rejuvenating their program and getting back in their winning ways but again there are a team that maybe can stack up well and again some teams like cal or stanford can find ways to have success but i just don't like the longevity of arizona that's my big thing i think as time goes on there'll be room for improvement but right now i just like i said i don't see it being that big of a successful story for arizona Thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at the truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. Like I said, I hope you guys are enjoying these conference breakdowns. We got two more, the ACC and the SEC conference to follow. So like I said, hope you guys are excited for that. Make sure you uh, subscribe to The Truth as well. Just 2 dollars a month gets you unlimited content, including bonus episodes, everything else needed to jumpstart your day. Until next time, I'm your host, the one you hate to love the most, Niall Heston, signing off, take care, and good night.